Good evening. Welcome to episode 35 of the My Fantasy and Bernie podcast. Different voice introducing the show. Unfortunately, Joe's on the injured reserve list. However, you've got myself, Dave, and I have got our other two partners in crime. So, first of all, good evening, Andy. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, Graf. How are you guys? Not so bad. And as Andy's alluded to, we have the man, the myth, the legend that is Mr. Gareth Dutton. Good evening, Graf. Good evening. How are you? Not so bad, you? Not so bad. Good man. So, we've had a few weeks off. We've had a few technical issues. Technical supporting helpers. Um, Sorry. So, we've got... Yes, so you should, mate. Uh, so, we've got a few signings to go through. So, how this is going to go, we're going to go through the list of the signings that we found. Um, if we've missed a signing at your club, apologies. It's been a few weeks. We've been we've had a few things on. So, here goes nothing. So, over the last four weeks, we've had the following signings into the Elite League. We've had Eden Blood... Eden, Evan Blood, off my apologies. Good start. Five... Uh, down to Coventry, we've had Anthony Beauregard from Brampton Beast to Dundee Stars, Lucas Lundvall from Dundee down to Manchester Mark Matheson has gone down the M1 going from Sheffield to Nottingham David Brawl has gone from Jacksonville to Coventry Matt Puffall has gone from Zvolen to Glasgow Brian Connolly has gone um, from Dorbina to the Nottingham Panthers, Stephen Lee has gone back to Guildford Flames from the Nottingham Panthers Michael Davis has left Linz of Austria to the Sheffield Steelers. Drew Scheistel has gone from the Cardiff Devils to the Coventry Blaze. Jordan Haywood has gone from Dresna to Glasgow Clown. Alexis Luzo has gone from Medvek to the Nottingham Panthers. I hope I pronounced that team correctly. Um, Brett Stovin has gone from the University of Manitoba to the Dundee Stars. Kevin Carr has gone from Utah to the Nottingham Panthers, a starting goalie. Kyle Hope has gone from Fort Wayne to the Manchester Storm. Riley O'Connor has gone to Dundee from the University of Guelph. Andrew Johnson has gone from Bordeaux to the Coventry Blaze. Nikolai Lemtyi-Yugov has gone from Anyere of Korea to the Sheffield Steelers. Danny Fick has gone from Wheeling Nailers to the Nottingham Panthers. Adam Deutsch has gone from Brunas of Sweden to the Nottingham Panthers. Cam Brace has gone from Alborg to Guildford. Jordan Apt has re-signed in Guildford. Gleason Forney has also resigned, but resigned at the Cardiff Devils. And the final one that we can find is Mike McNamee has signed to the Cardiff Devils from Alborg. Number of signings. The arrivals lounge has been very busy. Guys, let, let's go and pick five signings that's uh, that's caught your eye. Andy, let's start with you. Quite a good few to choose from, to be honest with you. Um, one that obviously caught my eye a lot was probably one of the newest signings. Uh, it's one for, for Sheffield Steelers, and it's Nikolai Lemchikov. Uh, I hope that's pronounced right. I mean, nobody really knows who's saying it, but some pretty good stats as well. I mean, 300, 400 games in a KHL. I mean, can't really go wrong there. Um, hopefully, he'll light a lamp for the Steelers uh, and, and contribute, contribute very heavily. Uh, a, a very solid, solid signing played last season for Anyang Kala in the Asian in the Asia League. Eight points in eleven games, and uh, the season before that, uh, it would have been associated with Aaron Fox, uh, at the Medveshak Zagreb, posting eleven points in fifteen games, and the season before that, Alan Gardonsk as the assistant captain, three points in thirteen games, and before that, quite a few games in the KHL, uh, put some very, I say mediocre for KHL, uh, but his best season coming in the sixteen seventeen season for Alan Gardonsk. 31 points in 52 games. So if he comes in form, uh, but I did in that year to Sheffield, then you know 
team's going to have a massive problem. Uh, 33 years old, so another older signing for the Steelers, but it shows that experience is you know, the one thing that they are prioritising over, over, over youngsters. Um, yeah, he, he's a left winger, can play right as well. Six foot, a nice six kilograms. Uh, and also a 2005 round seven with 219 overall draft pick by St. Louis Blues. Um, so it's some pretty good, uh, good information and stats there. And I can imagine seeing them massive impact almost straight away. Uh, my second one is Mike McNamee uh, for the Cardiff Devils, uh, 26 years old. There's Tenter, one eight uh, six foot eight one kilograms. Uh, last season played for the Elbow Pirates, uh, also with the assistant captain. Played one point in thirty-two games. That's pretty good as well. Uh, season four with Steve had Norheim, uh, the Dell two, forty-nine points in forty-four games. Uh, so again, a very good one. Uh, moving on now to Kevin Carr, who is um, quite a funny one actually. Um, he, he, who, I think Panthers fans thought he was a certain uh, Taylor person, but obviously the Panthers trolling there are an absolute fantastic. Uh, I was loving every every second of the show we were as well. Uh, Kevin Carr joins from the Utah Grizzlies at the East Coast League. Um, some pretty good points. So uh, to say that, that Panthers fans weren't feel exactly happy with this one. Got some very decent points. Average of 0 0.90 percentage, uh, save percentage, and uh, average of two. Two goals against. Played 34 games last season for Utah. Uh, again, a pretty good signing, if you ask me. Uh, couldn't very compete with the rest in the league. Uh, also, Nottingham, we've got Brian Connolly. The D man, 5'11, uh, 82 kilograms, 33 years old. Another slightly older guy, but very good experience nonetheless. Spent the past three seasons in Dornbirner at the EBEL. Uh, and last season got 25 points in 52 games. Also, pretty good for that league. Also has some uh, AHL experience with uh, Rockford, Iowa, and Houston. So very, very good signing there as well. Uh, next, uh, I've got Anthony Beauregard, uh, who is 23 years old, so a very young guy. Uh, he signed for Dundee Stars. A centre, five foot seven, quite small, but you can expect that he's got the speed, uh, which I've been quite like with Dundee. If they need a bit more speed on their roster, and they've certainly got it there. Uh, quite like as well, six five kilograms. Um, mostly part of last season with Brighton Beast of the ECHL, 28 points in 67 games. Has some AHL experience with Laval, uh, two points in 10 there. And they're quite a common trend as well, where they're coming quite a lot of uh, got new sports experience, which is a very good league. Uh, you know, for university, university college players, and it's quite a common trend in the league there, so you can see that there is some potential from that league coming into ours. So, yeah, some pretty good. Good ones there. No, let's take uh, Griff. There's um, different roles in, in the five that Andy's picked, and and I'll, I'll start with the Kevin Carr one because, like Andy said, and we've got one of the questions towards the end of the podcast about this. But the Panthers fans are expecting a different goalie. A lot of them are disappointed, but actually looking at his stats, it's not a bad pickup. Oh, it's a pretty decent pickup, I think myself. I mean. I think every fan, apart from Panthers fans, laughed so much at getting trolled by your own club. It's just hilarious. I mean, he's a really good pickup, to be fair. He's looking at his stats wise. He's 
he can put up some good numbers, good save percentage. Hopefully, he can do this in Pampers fans. I hope he can do that in this league. Um, all the best to him. Hopefully, he can, he can get a, a championship. I think he posted that on Twitter as well, saying he, he wants to win a title. Not to show what title he wants to win like, but it'd be a, a good first season for him if he did. It would be a good season. Um, I just hope once the Panthers fans have seen him and he performs, I hope they, they shake off the uh, the uh, disappointment of the signing news. Apologies for the awful pun there. Um, uh, we'll, we'll go back to Gref. And, and Gref, who were, the, who were the guys that stood out for you in the um, in the Arrivals uh, Lounge? In the Arrivals Lounge, I'd say the first one would be Brett Stolven. Played in the U Sports League for University of Manitoba Bisons. Came over here in the preseason games against Manchester and Fife. Played pretty decent hockey. He was quick. He had good. His hockey IQ looked pretty decent. Last season, put up 14 points in 22 games. He was the captain as well. The season before that, he was the captain. Put up 17 points in 18 games. I think. When he came over here in the preseason games, I think Pash has added definitely had a few eyes about looking at players playing for the University of Minnesota, and they picked up a what I think is probably going to be a good gem. Is he's only twenty four years old, can play as a centre, play as a right wing, can play in defence. I think the only thing left is probably left wing and a goaler. But he could probably pick that up. My second would be Cam Braze. Guildford have picked him up from the Elbow Pirates. 20, 22 games he played last season, 13 points, 8 with him with the goals. Pretty decent stats for a centreman. He's only 5'10. He started the season in the EBEL. And it'll be. Ore Zenoro. I definitely messed that name up. My apologies to that team. Before then, played in the NLB. 47 points in 45 games. And then played a stint in the AHL. Played one game for Stockton Heat. U Sports League as well. University of New Brunswick. He looks like he could be a good, strong sentiment. He's going to be Getting a lot of assists next season. My third choice would be Andrew Johnston. Signed from Bordeaux in France. 44 games, 40 points. Season before that, he got played 44 games, 50 points. He's, looking at his stats-wise, the past three seasons, he has got at least 40 points. I bet, I'm sure Blaze fans are hoping that he can keep that up and get even more points, maybe. Could be their hope for a replacement of Ben Lake, who was bringing the points last season, the season before that. I mean, I've heard a lot of people rave about him from last season, so we look forward to see who he, how he performs and in a, a cold night in Altrincham. 
And my fourth pick would be Danny Thick. Five foot eleven D-man. Played last year for Scranton Penguins. And also the Wheeling Nailers, which Pittsburgh Penguins fans all know well, with being their affiliates. 66 games, 31 points, 98 penalty minutes. Not too bad for a D-man. It was a minus five, but still, as a D-man, that's pretty decent when you're playing 66 games. Before then, he was... He played 70 games, 23 points as an assistant captain. He's played in the NCAA for Harvard, played in Norway. He looks like he's he could be a strong defenseman. And my last pick, of course, I have to go home. And I pick Kyle Hope. Played in the U Sports League last season as well as the East Coast Hockey League. In the U-Sports League, he played for the University of Windsor. 28 points in 27 games. Can't argue with that. And then in the East Coast League, 20 games, 13 points. As a a 26-year-old left winger, 6'1", has had a pre-season camp with Columbus. Looks like he's a could be a pretty decent gem to pick up. Hopefully, he can put in the points. Um, thanks for that, uh, Griff. Um, Andy, you're looking in the five, and I suppose the one that stands out for me a little bit is uh, Danny Fick. Um, <clears throat> good scene experience, and also he had a the one game in the AHL last year, but mainly a good East Coast career. You know. 27, I believe. It's uh, young enough to, to still have a decent career in him, Amanda. 100%. And, and to even make the, even though it was one or two games, to even make the AHL for that level is something quite an achievement, to be honest. Okay, he's got no points in either of them. But it just shows that you've got a chance, you're good enough to get the chance to be at that level. So, you know, having a chance like that and then coming to the league, you know, he's going to make an immediate impact. Uh, I'm pretty sure everyone agrees there. No, I must admit, that's one out of them all I'm looking forward to watching, um, only to see how many people can badly use his surname in, in awful and ridiculous puns. Not that you'll hear any awful and ridiculous puns on this podcast. Um, never, not at all. Um, so, so the ones that caught my eye in, in the Arrivals Lounge, um, we'll start, we'll start, uh, we'll do a Griff and we'll start at home with uh, Michael Davies, <coughs> signed from Linz uh, in the EBL. And you look at his stats... And the guy's a point scorer. Everywhere has been. He's had over 200 games in the AHL, just 99 points there. Uh, DEL, uh, 163 games, 117 points. Um, NCAA, he had 155 games there with 123 points. EBL, he got 16 and 14 for Linz. Um, a point scorer, and something that Sheffield were lacking a bit last year. And I think he's going to, to give him that, uh, just that point impetus. That will, you know, make a difference from what they didn't have if we're you know, last year. Um, and then we move from uh, the, the point side of things to very much the physical side of things. Uh, David Brawl, uh, Jacksonville, um, from Jacksonville to the Coventry Blaze, and he's certainly going to bring 
the the physical elements as a forward. Um, but good league experience. You know, over 250 games in the AHL, you don't get that many games if you don't know how to play the game or don't know how to play your role well. Because I say that, in them games, he's gotten 592 penalty minutes. Over that many games in a, in a, in a league as high as that, averaging over two point penalty minutes a game, says a bit about the type of game that you expected there. However, he did get 39 points. So he was contributing a little bit in that context. But it is his OHL uh, days, um, 255 games there and 139 points. So, yes, it probably looks like his role in the AHL was completely different. So he know, if he can re- replicate his junior days, he, you know, he knew how to put points on the board for like a second, third liner. So um, was drafted round six in 2011 by the Toronto Maple Leafs, 152 overall. Um, so they're certainly bringing a guy with a bit of experience, a bit of physicality to that forward lineup. I think that's going to make Coventry that just a little bit more dangerous, especially in the smaller barn. I think it's going to do them the world of good. Next one, um, Matt Puffal, who's uh, gone to the Glasgow clan. Um, great stats if you look at him as a third, fourth line forward. But then you realise he's a defender. And I say that. 104 games in the U sport, he's got 84 points. Um, WHL, um, 26 games, 107 points. Um, both times he's had a plus um, in both leagues. So as a defender, so that's always a good stat to have. He's had he's, he's only thing that's kind of lacking is he's not had that much um, senior league experience. Well, I, um, you know, we say he had five games in the AHL for Lake Erie, uh, six games in the East Coast for Utah. Um, last year he had uh, 26 games in Slovakia for Zvolen. Um only two points, but and it was a minus six. But look, if you look at his North America stats, he looks like the type of player that's going to make a difference to to, uh, to Glasgow. I think that's one of as much as they had a good season last year. I think that was, you know, maybe that you know, a quarterback style defenseman who can you know get the shot off and and you know start the offense. Probably what they were missing in depth. So I think that he's, he's going to fit into that role well. And I th- I'd be honest with you, I think he'll do well. Up in Glasgow. Um, the next guy that caught my eye, um, Swedish defenseman Adam Deutsch. Well, you wouldn't have thought of Swedish for that surname. Um, but a lot of decent top league experience. And, you know, 20 games in the SHL, 46 games all Svenska, 20 games the KHL, 55 games EBL. Now, okay, KHL EBL was with uh, Medvedak of Zagreb. However, you, you know, he's very much a stay at home. Uh, Devon will look at his points and his uh, plus minus everything, but he's got you know he, he was he ended his season in the SHL with Brynäs. Uh, you don't go from the SHL uh, straight to the league. If oh you, you don't even play in that league if you haven't got anything about you. Uh, so I I think you know as much as some of their Nottingham fans were a bit uneasy about having not as physical a defenseman, I think this guy's going to really tighten the ship uh, and, and give him that real sort of kind of, you know, without the physicality that just tight uh, back line. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing him um, in that context. And the final guy that stood out for me uh, was a guy that left Kakori down to Coventry, uh, Evan Bloodhoff. Um We've seen him uh, over 100 games in the League and, in League and Cup, and he's he's got the points, so 97 points. Um, but you're looking kind of is is. North America career, 250 games in the East Coast, 152 points, 57 games in AHL, uh, only eight points, but still 50 games plus in AHL, you, you're doing something to at least be recognised in that context. Um, 
a guy who, who has scored points for fun in the last two years. Of I think will he'll be the, for me. He'll be the supporting role to whoever takes that Ben Lake role. But he's going to do it very well. I think that's an upgrade again for the Coventry Blaze. Another guy who was drafted in the um, the NHL. He was drafted uh, by the then Phoenix Coyotes, uh, round six uh, in two thousand nine. Um, so again, another guy with experience. And I, I just think that's I, I look at Coventry signings, and I don't see. I throw this question to you guys. I don't see a sign where I think compared to last year, it's a downgrade. Every time, I think I may have only once gone maintained. They've upgraded slightly. Nearly every signing in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. I think they have like upgraded in a lot of, lot of all over. I mean, when you look at last season's last season players, we mentioned at the start of the year we were like, this doesn't bring anything good out in us. We don't. We're like, yeah. I mean, it. Even from a Manchester fans' perspective. It took until pretty much the second to last game of the season to actually clinch a playoff spot, which obviously yeah they took it from us. But how oh, did you not make the playoffs last year? No, that you know. No, we never, no, we never heard of it. Nah, uh, unfortunately we didn't. He must have kept it on the download, mate. I tried to. <laughs> but no, it's a point that um, very much we all did say at the beginning of the podcast. It was like you look at the team and you think, yeah, they're probably going to miss out. Um, but um, I go to Andy, and you look across the board of the signings in the last batch that we just mentioned, and you've got to say, once again, the standard of player that's coming across overall to the league is it's getting better. It massively is, and uh, I, I think it, it shows the hard work of the elite league, the clubs to bring in, to bring in these, these kind of players. Now, Aaron Fox uh, in particular, He's got that experience in the KHL. He's, he's made friends over there. He's, he's had a, a very uh, uh, recruitment-based role. Uh, and, and you can see that's really coming into, into effect right now, signing the likes of Nikolai Lemchigov. I mean, you wouldn't normally see the likes of him in this league. And it, it's down to that knowledge and that recruitment style of the coaches that are bringing them here. The advertising the league, advertising where they're going to be. And, and they're selling it to him. And, you know, this is something that, that we could only have dreamed of in the last five years to have the players of this sort of ability here uh, and just going back on Coventry I mean last season you can pretty much say they relied on Ben Lake uh, almost every game but now we've got a players that are signing up you know they brought in Bloodoff brought in Johnston it's going to be like a, a line or two lines that they're going to be that are going to be fully contributing and it's something that I, I think Coventry, Coventry fans really look forward to see I think for me Coventry the three three key signings left to announce is for me, they're other top three players. I think they've got two left, and it's the goalie. And I think that could make or break them. But Coventry tend to, on the whole, have an okay, decent goalie. You know, so let's see. Danny, Danny Stewart's got, you know, he's been around the block a bit. Um, he, he has some connections. Let's see what he can pick up. Um, but uh, we're certainly seeing some good players. And one thing I'll, I'll to end before we move on to the, the last signing piece of news. Um, Years ago, and I suppose I'm leaning more towards Gref just because of our age, you, you used to have kind of players from North America go, if you want a decent league in Europe, come to UK first, then have a good year, then go across. And I think we're now starting to see it's the other round where it's like, if you want a good league in Europe, go to Denmark, go to Italy. Then, actually, you'll get a shout coming across the UK. And it's a, in that kind of, it's a nice little you know, change of scene where, actually, we're not being used as the first stepping stone. 
And actually, we're using the stepping stone to potentially the, the DL, the SHL, the KHL. Yeah, definitely. Nowadays, it's it's a it's a welcome thing for us because we, as you mentioned, we I think it was like the start of the elite league back in those days. We were literally a stepping stone into Europe. Any other league, for example, like the Danish league or the Sim league or as such, it's a much welcome change. It's a one that you can think, yeah, we're de- this league's definitely getting better over and over it's, it's certainly uh turning around and we've seen the results in the uh in the world championships but yeah i agree you know beginning of the the uh the eihl era when uh we was younger and uh probably a lot more innocent but never mind uh but yeah so that's the um the arrival section uh there's one player that's announced through his club or ex-club that's leaving the elite league and that's robert farmer um, the statement that's been released, short and sweet, not a criticism, uh, very much you know, lack of detail, probably waiting for the contractual negotiations of who he's going to go to to finish. Um, a statement that he's going to be heading off to Europe. Andy, um, a player who has tried outside of the UK, it's a, it's a nice change and it's good to see another Brit and probably getting towards his prime, try and crack potentially Europe if it is Europe. It is great. Uh, I think more players, more British players, should be looking at this option as well. Uh, you know, you, you played the, in the elite league for so long. Uh, in in um, Farmer's case, uh, since 2013, basically. So uh, it's been really well with, Not- with Nottingham uh, before that. You know, with with Coventry as well and Brayhead on Sheffield. But um, it, it's it's nice to see them branch out uh, and just look for those other opportunities that maybe they should. Probably doing to get to get a bit more experience, uh, skating with uh, European coaches, and you know, like we've got that just a bit more knowledge, you know, for the certain aspects of the game that they want to improve. Like from from where I want to improve his, his speed, you know, he's 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 got skill already. Like I was shown in Great Britain, he's scored countless goals for us in in the hop in the last minute, and, and you know he's made his jump for joy many times, but. I like that sort of player who think that there's still elements of the game that they want to improve, and Europe is like the best place for that. Like I said, with the coaches, experience of the other players we're playing against and, and playing with, it's valuable training that they can use to then utilize to come back at some point and keep playing for Great Britain. It, it's, it's just that stepping stone improvement, and that's what I like to see in in these British players. Uh, Gref, I mean, I don't recall any of his goals at the end of any games for GBB miraculous and making people jump up and down. I don't recall a single one. Um, but I'll, I'll say this: I, I when he, he when he plays for GB, he's a completely different player when he plays for the Panthers. It's kind of like his game increases tenfold uh, when he plays for GB. He's 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 a lot, you know, his his chest gets bigger and he's even taller than he is, and just gets them goals, um, big goals, where you kind of a little bit, I suppose, unfair to shrinking Violet in the in the, the Nottingham lineup. Still as good a player, but just doesn't have that kind of impact. So, so maybe going to go into Europe will help him, give him the confidence to branch out and be that GB player back in a domestic game. I mean, I don't think the French league might want him though. I mean, he might turn him around and then go glove side, but you know, things happen. They do, mate, yeah. Maybe not the Hungarian Hungarian teams either. <laughs> but yeah, it, 
like you mentioned, is when he plays for GB, he, his games are a lot different to when he's playing for Nottingham. When he's playing for Nottingham, he's like he's just there to pretty much like try and throw his weight about and then try and get a few passes here and there. But then when he's playing for GB, he's like just throwing passes that you never thought he could ever do, scoring goals that you thought, wow, I thought that would come from like the likes of Mike Hammond or Polini or Robert Dowd. And you just see him do it and you're like, Farmer? Well, fair play. I mean, it, it was like a, a running joke that he, he, a few, good few years ago that he was just there to have fights. And then, well, which apparently he never won any of them. So the running joke was going. But it's good to see him getting another chance to break into Europe. I mean, he did play in the OHL for a game and then Alaska Aces in the East Coast League as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I recall years ago when he played um, the, the F word. Uh, in 2013 in Riga for the Olympic qualifiers, and he, he kind of he took on their uh, uh, their defenseman. He he re- reminded me of uh, uh, I think it was Chaval, the rugby player for France, who was the big, oh, like a caveman looking, but you know, six foot eight, built like a unit, and he was taking him on. And he, you kind of thought you're watching him play domestically, and it's like this is this isn't the same Robert Farmer, and his game has just developed. And I think we could all say you know, wish him the best of luck wherever he ends up, and we hope he's successful. Uh, from a GB Team GB perspective, that you know he has a great season, and uh, we look forward to wherever he is bringing the uh, the talent back to Switzerland in Lausanne for next year's World Championships. Um, so that's the um, the signings, the coming ins, and the one going out. Um, anybody listen? Uh, who's your most important? In, well, who's a signing that stood out for you guys? Um, let us know via social media, which we'll go through towards the end of the podcast. We'll move on to the next section that we've uh, discussed, uh, we're going to discuss, and it's the Challenge Cup, guys, because the format's been released. And I think it's fair to say that everyone collectively, in some form of capacity, have gone, eh, at certain elements. So if you've not seen or read the the format, so three groups three groups um, will be had. Uh, group A, Belfast, Dundee, Fife and Glasgow will play each other once, home and away. Group B will have Cardiff, Coventry and Guildford, two home, two away. And Group C will have Manchester, Nottingham and the Steelers, two home, two away. So the quarterfinal lineup will be the top three in Group A, top two in Group B and the top two in Group C. However, the third place in B and C will play a playoff game, one off, and the winner will become the eighth, I believe, the eighth seed in the quarterfinals. And when the quarterfinal comes along, the, the best group winner will pick the opponent. And then the second and so on and so forth, which will end up with the Challenge Cup final taking place at the Viola Reader in Cardiff, Sunday, the 8th of March. Gents, I've got a couple of things on that, but I'm going to throw it to you guys. Is, is this the right format? Is, it, is, this, is this the one that makes sense? Is it better for business or is it just kind of ignoring the sports element of a cup contest? I think, well, for one, they put it on a Sunday again. So, I know you probably t- will touch on that later on as well, but for example, if like Glasgow and Belfast play each other 
in the final. That's one hell of a journey. Or even Dundee, if they get in there. Because that's like a... If they're driving, that's an 11-hour trip. I still think they should do it on a Saturday, like we've mentioned in previous episodes. Just for those reasons, just in case. Like the teams that you don't think are going to make it. I like the surprise package. Well, don't forget, before I bring up Brigandi into the equation, last year it was very close to being um, a glasgow Guildford final, with Glasgow making the semi-finals and kind of pushing Belfast all the way to the, the end of the second leg. So it was close to actually happening, um, you, the, the scenario you mentioned. Andy, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Challenge Cup? Um, I think it's a very strange format, to be quite honest. I mean, you've got, you got Group A, Belfast-Dundee, Belfast Glasgow, they've all got... Uh, two games in total each, one home, one away. Top three qualifying, and, and then look at the group B and C. Um, obviously, playing more games, two home, two away uh, for both groups. I'm just looking at Group C and how they've got three teams, and and, yet, and they've got two home, two away games each, and top two qualify. It, it's it's just a format that doesn't quite make sense. It it just. I think it made more sense if there was an extra team in there. But obviously, with the teams that you've got and, and the amount there is in the league, I, I, I just, it just don't, doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, there's not much I can really say. It's just something I don't, I don't quite understand as of yet. It's, I mean, for me, it's, the group stage is definitely based on business, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, business and profit ain't a dirty word. <laughs> but when you look at cup contests, you look at the sport element, and you know, you've got Group A playing six games. You've got Group B and C, they'll play eight games. And one team will play a ninth game. So theoretically, you know, the winner of Group A, potential play a team that's played three more games in the Cup contest than they have. Now, I don't have an issue with the playoff game. I actually like that. It, it, and as daft as it sounds, that, that, that kind of... It's a dead rubber game type thing. No, I kind of like, I like that bit of excitement because, you know, group A, you know, it's it's a battle between Dundee Fife and Glasgow for two of the three spots. Um, you know, if we're, if we're realistic, last year, you know, Sheffield were close to missing out. And then by fluke of one result, I think Manchester turning Nottingham over, then Nottingham were close to it. It kind of dipped and flowed. And in, in fact, in, in kind of that number, because I think it was only one home, one away last year, memory says right, in the group stage. Um, you know, one fluky result puts a team out, which, you know, that's, that's the nature of cup contests. So I have no issue with this playoff game um, in that context. My big bugbear, and as what Greff said, it's a Sunday final. Um, I don't have a problem with the venue. The venue's good. You know, ignore that it's at the, the farthest point away of most teams, because A, it has to be somewhere. And if no team, because they said a couple of years ago, teams bid for the, the final and they have to put the costs up. And if no other team can put a bid in, you know, what's, what's the league going to do? Oh, Cardiff's bid for it, but it's over there. So let's force Nottingham to host it. Or let's force Manchester to hold it. Or let's force Coventry. No, you're not. Because Cardiff has obviously put the business plan together to host it. So fine. Not a problem. My bugbear is it should be <clears throat> a weekend, just the Challenge Cup on a Saturday. Twofold. It's the it's the only cup competition with a bit of pedigree. 
due to the number of games played. Yes, the playoffs has the more value in terms of the European spot, but the Challenge Cup has that pedigree of the number of games played. So let's actually respect it. Let's give it the value that it actually deserves. Um, and secondly, you mean you had last year, I think the Guildford Belfast game were faced off at four, and I think one of the Scottish teams faced off at six. Now that, that's that's daft in my eyes. You should be, if you're going to have the cup final, it's one game, one game only. No other fixture, tough. Um, you've got teams now that actually their business plans can actually allow to miss a weekend, even Sheffield, and play midweek and still get the revenue in. Um, but for me, a cup final is a Saturday. Saturday, at seven o'clock. Make a big thing out of it. Make, you know, have a fan zone. Make a huge event. Now, yeah, some people may go, yeah, but teams then miss the week weekend. But we're starting in August. Okay, the very last day of August, but we're starting in August. If realistically, and given that we've now got teams in the, the CHL that are starting the week before, um, the, the the kind of last weekend of August, September, why don't the league move one week and then have that week just, there you go, all games, nothing on there, apart from the cup final? It, for me, then you don't miss out. You still have that weekend. Because teams are coming in beginning of August for pre-season. Uh, Manchester's got four games. We've got three games. Nottingham have got a number of games. Car- Cardiff have. Belfast have. I appreciate they've got the CHL. But teams have got pre-season games now, two to three weeks before the season starts. So, I, I, for me, I think it's it's missed a trick. Move the season a week earlier. Have one weekend where it's purely the, the Challenge Cup. And then no teams, teams can still have a weekend date. And I, I just think that's where we, we the Challenge Cup should go because, you know, apart from that, a Sunday, I just think it devalues it because when people can't get there, okay, you'll not find out till the, you know, mid, mid-February if you're in the final. Then you've got to try and get time off if you're in Scotland, let's say, or Belfast, let's say. Um, you then got to rush for flights and coaches and, and transport and, and whatnot. If you, if you said, right, Saturday... It just, I think it gives the fans a bit more chance to make it the spectacle. And yeah, if it's still in Cardiff, 3,000 tickets would go like that, whether Cardiff's in the final or not. Because I guarantee you now, some people would go make it a night out because Cardiff's a good place to go out uh, on, a, on a Saturday night. So I, I think the league's missing a trick there. But, you know, that's just my call. Um, I, I don't know if you're just going, I don't know if your guys have got anything else to add to the, uh, the Challenge Cup. Not really. Okay, so we'll move on to um, the questions and answers. And we've had these for a while, so we've had two. Apologies. Um, I say we've had a, a few technical issues to, to get the uh, the podcast up and running um, and a few people on the injured reserve. So we'll go with um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the questions. And the first one's from Craig Day, a regular listener to the podcast. Thank you very much, Craig. And his question is as follows. Um Who's your most overrated player in the Elite League? He mentioned the NHL, but we'll start the Elite League. Who's your most overrated player in the Elite League? That is a tough one. I because you like a lot of players that a lot of fans love. They've actually got a reason to love them, and obviously a and a reason to hate. I'm going to start the ball rolling. Mine's a bit, probably a bit controversial. And I'll explain why I think he was the most overrated player in that team that year. Um, David Ling. And the reason I say it's following, he got a load of points that year. Good hockey player. 
But when the when the chips were down for the Panthers, and there was a number of games that they really dug themselves in my eyes to get the points that led them to that elusively title, he was never a guy that I looked on and gone, he shouted, get on my back, I'm getting his three goals. I'm going to get us the assist. I'm going to block the shot. He never come across that guy. He used to get five, six points against Hull, because I think Hull was in the league at the time. Um, but then never, he never stood out as a guy who goes, you know what, we're 2-0 down in the, in, with 10 minutes to go against the Steelers. Jump on my back, we're going to win 3-2. They had a, enough players, and they had, they had a number of team players who did that. But for me, for a guy with that many points, stand out even further for me. And I, I just felt Ling was not, because hey, great hockey player, good talent. Borderline, but it probably were probably the most overrated I've seen for the last few years. Maybe controversial, but I just felt that in that team that was good that year. And his production, he never shouted, "Get on my back, and we'll get over this rough patch, and we'll still get the win." Actually, I probably would for probably say Brett Cloutier. A lot of Phoenix fans loved him, and I think it was mainly just for the fights that he was having. I mean, he played for you guys as well, and he had a a good amount of penalty minutes. I just didn't see what he brought to the game apart from you know what I'm going to go on the ice. I'm just going to pick a fight with anyone just because I can. I'd rather a fight occur for a good reason, not just because, yeah, I'm bored. That'd probably be my one. It's a bit controversial considering Manchester and all that. You've certainly not played the home card on that one, have you, mate? Nope. Um, Andy, who's your most overrated player? It's a very hard one, this. It's a great question. because It is. And Craig stumped us. You know, yeah, fair play, Craig. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's a very, very hard one. Um, I think... Well, certainly the last season, I think the player I thought was overrated was Vakar Stutka. Like, just because of just the way that he put up the points for Klein I mean you, you had some great players in uh, Becker Pitt and all those and like Michael Stupka was also a, a very much scoring almost every night player and um, he put us because stats as well 41 points in 60 games and I think I, I think any club would be lucky to have him this, uh, next season to be honest with you because he brings in a good element uh, but I don't, I don't think he was very underrated. I, I, I think he was very much uh, being talked about, and I think that's the wrong thing because what he did for Glasgow was very, very good. And uh, I, I enjoy watching him play. And yeah, just, I think he was worth more than everyone was. He was worth more than what he was getting, really. Fair enough. Um, so thanks for that question, Craig, and thank you for stumping us. And if, you know, once we've. Uh, you know, we've aired this podcast and you think we're wrong, tell, do get in touch with us. Um, the second question, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, is f- uh, from a gentleman called, who I should have wrote his name, my sincere apologies, and it is James Helliwell. My uh, apologies again. Um, 
Talk about Nottingham and the trolling of their fan base um, with the signing of Carr. Um, so we've, we've touched on it and we've had the awful pun. Um, but it does kind of beg the question in terms of how you um, control the expectation of the fan base. You know, for whatever reason, and it, I'm going to say in this way and, and kind of try back on it. Rumour mill in ice hockey, I've never seen it known in, in such a sport. I mean, okay, football in the papers, you always hear, oh, such a such going to sign for Real Madrid. Such a such going to sign for Real Madrid. They're going to sign a million players. It's always in the papers. Always in the papers. Not just Real Madrid. There are other football clubs, <coughs> decent football clubs around the world. There's also Manchester United. Um... <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday fan. Exactly. You know, massive club. Get it right. Remember. Remember your place, mate. Um, but jokes aside, you know, in football, there's a lot of rumour mill in, in the papers and everything. In ice hockey, it's very limited to the social media element. You know, the Twitter, the Facebook. Oh, have you heard he's going to sign here? Have you heard he's going to sign there? Um, I mean, years gone by. Again, I'll, I'll lean towards Greff because right, you had the hotlines and you, you'd have the tidbits in there. Um, and you've probably had the same. And I know over the years, people have been able to have been told by whoever source within clubs and, and had the old-fashioned don't-tell-anybody line and they couldn't hold Yuri, never mind the rumour. Um, but now with social media and how, and we've mentioned a number of times this podcast, how volatile it can be in terms of how it's, you know, the response from a fan base, in, in, in particular the resistance era at the time against Sheffield last season. Did Nottingham do the right thing in kind of going and, and having a lot of uh, gifts with reference to Taylor uh, and, and you know dragging the fans up and then just kind of dropping them in, in the mud I think yeah they did the right thing I mean social media this season has actually been for this for the, the signings it's actually been probably one of the best I've seen and you had Star Wars when we announced Kyle Hope you had just all the trolling that Nottingham are doing so we, your press releases are, are, are alright. I mean, you had Love Island for picking Coventry Blaze. Oh, yeah. Tinder, like, Tinder as well? You had Tinder as well, yeah. So it's like, they're getting, they're appealing to fans on all levels, going, right, we're, we're assigning a player, but you know what? We're going to make this fun. I, I'm, I'm all for that. I mean, even if you're going to troll the fan base, it's going to leave him into a blank space. Pardon the pun. I had to get that in there, but you know. Uh, <laughs> Andy, um, I suppose in one respect, what Greff said, we actually do miss a lot of that. The fun element. No, it's too serious. We, we, <clears throat> we As hockey fans, we clamour for that great sea bomb, the classiness. But that, you know, we don't have enough fun with this. You know, should we just have, you know, have fun and not care? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely become a bit more, you know, more politicalized and, and, and more. Um, I think more like you know serious than it is funny, and I, I think that's the wrong way of going about things. You know, you've, you've got to have a fun element in, in these things now, and uh, what Nottingham did was absolutely brilliant. One because it was a rumor uh, that he was going to go to Sheffield at the start. So, so make it their own rumour and thinking, oh no, it's, it's coming to us. And then making their fans thinking that that was the case. So that not to be was, you know what, fantastic. And, uh, but you've got to feel sorry for Kevin Carr. Uh, I mean, he's, he's, probably, he's probably seen all those now. And 
Chris Dowdy again, but but what not even need to the fans need to know is that okay, it's not Danny Taylor, you know, it's it's, it's not Taylor Swift to win a special concert for Panthers fans or anything like that. But it's it's a great signing for them. I mean, not point nine hundred save percentage in the third best league in the world is great, and that's a lot better than even some of the goalies in this league have done. So I do feel sorry for him in that, but the trolling was amazing. And uh, long may it continue for other players and uh, other players as well. I'm 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 hoping to see maybe um, maybe Malkin Malkin gif at some point. Um, <laughs> see how that goes. I must admit the uh, but what also had to see we, we had the uh, we had the Gangnam Style, which was just an abomination. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, that was an abomination. Um, it was very cringy, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of with you to the point where, yeah, let's have some fun. You know, the Tinder, the Love Island. It, it's, it's, I mean, you see it a lot in football. Uh, well, uh, Glasgow. I mean, okay, it was short-lived when they had the announcement of Pete Russell um, signing for him. You know, Slim Shady's not back. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just makes it different. It's, it kind of just adds to it a little bit. Where it's, you know, we're used to bland, such such signed press release, the end. Put it in the papers. Now you know. Use what we can. You know, use the tools that are available, and and more often than not, free tools. You know, and, and can produce the goods. So I, I, I'm, I, I I like what they did in one respect. I feel I feel for the fans a little bit because they kind of fell for the the troll. Um, so long as they just get behind um, the net, the net miner next season, um, and and we'll go from there. But uh, I, I'd like to. You know, I'm seeing the upward trend on how they're announcing. Um, maybe may, maybe if there's any mid mid season signings, maybe even you strictly come dancing. Can you imagine that? You know, imagine the imagine the judging table. You know, if it was the Sheffield signing, Sims, Tony Smith, Sean Smith. You know, giving tens from Len. Who knows? The possibilities are, are, are quite right. You know, what could Manchester have? You know what? Imagine that one. He he, he signs in, in the um, Rovers' return. Oh, that'd be hilarious. You know, see, you know, the materials there. Um, five, don't know. Um, I'll tell you what, five fans. If there are only five fans, listening, where would be the ideal, you know, play famous scenario uh, that you could use to announce a, a bit of a video announcing a new sign at mid-season? Let us know um, on the social media front, <clears throat> which we'll go on to now. So if you are listening to us and want to know how and listen and find out the updates and any rumours and whatnot. Uh, Facebook, you can find us, My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. Uh, Twitter, at MSZ Podcast. Um, do give us a follow. Do retweet the, the podcast um, and, you know, get to know the um, get to myself, Gref, Andy and Joe um, when he's not an injured reserve. Um, and let us know what you think. You know, is was Panthers right to troll? Is the best signing that we've talked about actually not... Have we missed a better signing? Let us know. Um, do give us a follow and, and whatnot. Um so the rumour game that we started, I uh, kind of obviously died off with the technical difficulties. Uh, so we've got, we've looked around, um, we've delved into the the social media sphere. Um, I think, Gref, I think you found a, a bit of a, a good one that could be, uh, you know, what, what, you, if you, you were the one who found the uh, this week's uh, offerings. I have indeed. The, this week's offerings is Kevin Noble to the Manchester Star. He got is he got re- released in the press release that he's been he's no longer signing with Blaze for next season. Now they've got all their decor, and he's a he's like a affinity type player. 
I mean, everyone hates him as well. So it be a good good demon to pick up. Well, yeah, we'll mention uh, is that last season Coventry Kevin Noble. Okay, eighteen points in six games. Maybe it's not a lot, uh, but a plus thirteen rating is very good. Very good for Dima. So, so what you're saying, Andy, is actually this would, you know, as everyone mocks Kevin Noble, actually on on last year's performance, it would have to be a decent pickup. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see, I can see what Greff's saying in terms of in in the uh, in the building of Altrigham. Um It'd be quite useful. Um, not as useful as a D-man wearing a Yorkshire jersey, but we'll we'll not mention that. Um, so so we'll put this poll out um, probably tomorrow at some point. Uh, let us know if it's a made-up rumor or if there's some substance behind it. Um, you know, we've we've got a couple of them right. We've got a couple of them wrong, just like our predictions last year. In fairness, um, and so so unless gentlemen, you have anything else to add to the podcast. Um, I'll just throw it out to you. Okay, so before we say the goodbyes, we have one little bit more to say because we'll make sure this is out tomorrow. Um, as we've said, Joe is um, on the injured reserve. Uh, he better heal up very quickly because Saturday um, <clears throat> he, he makes the biggest mistake of his life. A lot of men will tell him that, but no, he's actually going to uh, marry his, his beautiful bride, Jess, and all three of us are on the the My Fans and Bernie podcast, which both Joe and Jess, uh, lifetime of happiness, and uh, Joe just saying yes and agreeing to everything that Jess says. Just one word. Well, it's actually two words, to be fair. I do. That's all he has to say. Uh, I can't wait for his speech. That's all I'm looking forward to, to be honest. Just a speech. Amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's, good, there's some good speeches there if Joe's got anything to do but no we we, we all wish him and, and just you know a, a great day on Saturday um, we're, we're looking forward to being honoured to be part of it um, and, and a lifetime of happiness uh, so from all of us you know the best of uh, looking congratulations to Joe and Jess uh, on Saturday so we'll end on the happy note and, uh, and, and finish the podcast there with his and look at the time side so we've, we've done well tonight gents we've uh, you can tell it's off-season, can't you? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, um, without further ado, uh, thank you very much to Andy. Uh, thank you, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Gareth. Thanks everyone listening. Uh, and and to Gareth Dutton, thank you very much. Who is Gareth Dutton? Hashtag. Indeed, hashtag who is Gareth Dutton. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for anyone that's listening. Yes, indeed. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you uh, to Andy and Gareth. And that concludes another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.